What's the purpose of a real estate broker? It's a question that both agents and entrepreneurs are asking a lot these days. Some say traditional brokerages are the thing of the past, but for Pam O'Connor, brokers have never been more relevant, and she's making sure that they stay that way. In fact, Pam has been named one of the top 25 most influential people in real estate by both NAR and Swanepoel, that's Stefan Swanepoel, and it's easy to see why. As president of leading RE, or leading real estate companies of the world, Pam oversees a network of the most successful independent brokerages around the globe. Leading RE companies generate an astounding 333 billion, that's with a B, in annual home sales. That's partly due to the high bar Leading RE has set for its members when it comes to digital marketing. In this interview, Pam explains why there's never been a better time to start or join an indie brokerage, that's an independent brokerage, and why referrals are basically worthless without the right systems to capitalize them. Hi, I'm Sarah Jones from Bamboo Realty. And I'm Zach Shabbat. This is Matt Wagner from Radio and Television Experts. This is Pam O'Connor from Leading Real Estate Companies of the World, and you're listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. Welcome to the Marketing Genius Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes with the most brilliant real estate professionals and brands to uncover the latest digital marketing tools and tricks for your online arsenal. Now, here are your hosts, Seth Price and Matt Barbet. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're super excited to have you. Yeah, welcome. Um, so we'd like to start off by talking a little bit about leading real estate companies of the world. Can you explain what it is that you do and wh what is Leading RE? Um, well, in a nutshell, uh, Leading RE is really uh, a community. I prefer to call it over a network of the uh, leading uh, independent real estate companies, locally branded companies uh, around the world. It's a, it's a by invitation network. It's comprised of about 500 companies and 3,500 offices and 120,000 agents. But um, I think the statistic we're most proud of is that we actually do more sales than any other real estate network. So we're we're at about a million transactions a year with about wow. uh, two. 320 billion in, in uh, you know, in home sales. That is crazy. I had no idea. That's huge. Um, yeah. So, you know, a network of independent companies, I know you've called it the unfranchise. What's the biggest advantage of running an independent brokerage over a franchise from your perspective? Well, I think uh, we're in a really good time um, in, in history for this because for a couple of reasons. I think um, local brands are really resonating with consumers these days. Uh, number one, they're easy to find because of the internet, which wasn't the case many years ago. Sure. And uh, and also, I believe that most consumers, particularly millennials, um, they, they really love the personality of a brand. They're kind of a little over the big boxes and, and um, you know, they like the local, uh, the community roots, the, um, you know, just that uh, differentiation or distinguishing characteristics of a local brand. And that's true whether you're talking about, um, you know, farm to table restaurants, um, there's a new hotel chain and I can't even think of the name of it because they go by local um, boutique brands, but I, it's part of Starwood, I believe, that is uh, really all of the back office is what you're buying as a franchisee, but uh, the branding is all local. So that's a little analogous to what we've tried to do. We've tried to provide 
the uh, the global connections and the resources of a franchise, but allowing our members to build their own brands under the leading RE umbrella. So that's sort of, it sounds like you allow someone who's like a really powerful independent to even punch above their weight class with the infrastructure and, and the network that you provide. Is that correct? Right, right, right. But I think another difference is that, and, and it's not just a, a buzzword. I mean, we they have to qualify to be in our network, so they have to be uh, among the top five independents and the top ten overall to even be able to join. So we don't start with companies that are trying to get a leg up. They've already got a brand. Yeah. And, and uh, what we're trying to do is just help them not have to reinvent the wheel and, and to do things a little more economically by being part of a larger entity. Got it. And so, I mean, let's say that I'm, you know, the average independent broker, you know, listening to this podcast. I mean, what what does it actually take? It sounds like you alluded to it before, but what does it take to join or to be invited to, I should say, leading RE? Well, um, the the baseline, as I said, is that market ranking that I mentioned, uh, top 10 overall, top five independents. Um, and they have to do both because you could have a market with a lot of franchises and, you know, you be, could be in the top five independents and be number 80 in the market. And uh, But beyond that, I mean, we're looking for companies of good reputation that are, are more of a traditional model, not not a low desk fee uh, kind of an environment and nothing wrong with that. It's just not uh, the fit that we go after. Um, And I think we're also looking for very entrepreneurial people, progressive. um, You know, we've got a very strong global focus today. So a lot of our growth is outside of the U.S. since we are a fairly mature network within within the U.S. And obviously we look at the big picture of who we've already got in that network. Uh, We're not exclusive, but we try not to oversaturate and uh, so there may be some situations where there's a great company we'd love to have, but we already have several good companies in that market and it doesn't make sense to, you know, dilute it by adding yet another one. Got it. I mean, what that's really interesting. I, I didn't realize that you guys were expanding so quickly, you know, outside of the U.S. I mean, what, you know, it's maybe a little bit off topic for this podcast, but I'm just generally curious, like what, what countries are you saying or, you know, markets are you seeing the most, the most traction in overseas? Well, we're... Yeah, we're in over 52 countries, wow. um, uh, probably 55 by the end of the year. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say the greatest concentration is in Europe, but we have, we are growing in Asia, we're growing in Latin America, um, uh, we're, we're growing quite a bit in Canada. So, um, the, the I think the difference between us and some of the franchises that are, are you know, also have a, a global uh, presence is that we, we, we do it a little differently. In, in other cases, organizations will go out and sign a master franchisor and then, you know, uh, go from there. But we really, um, we do a lot to engage those members and have them meet one another. So, for example, I'm leaving Thursday for Berlin uh, for an international symposium that we put on every year. And that is uh, really focused more on people outside of the U.S., although we do get a lot of North Americans who go to that. And uh, we do three or four events a year in uh, throughout the world, apart from uh, the, our, our big showcase event for um, for the network in February in, in Miami this year. Um, so it's it's really I think the difference is that these members actually get to know each other. They last year our referral business uh, among members 
believe it or not, we had referrals that went to 92 countries, which wow. is way more than we even have members in. But we obviously helped them uh, locate a good company to work with. And so there's starting to be a lot more business flowing cross-border. We have a liaison team here that does nothing but help members connect with other members when they're trying to refer a client. Um, so there's real business that's transacted. And, and um, you know, we've had to really change our mindset to be a lot more globally focused in, in recent years. Got it. That's that's crazy. I would have had no idea that, that you know, it was that many countries. So, mm-hmm. Pam, I want to switch gears a little bit uh, and talk about the shift to digital. And you've been in this long enough to know real estate before that. Um, what's the biggest ways that the shift has changed the landscape? Um, well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, there are a couple of things I would say. There's so much focus on lead generation out there and how, you know, that that's probably, I think a lot of, if you ask a lot of real estate people, they'd say, oh, it's leads, it's e-leads. That's the biggest advantage of digital. But, you know, to me, um, the real key is lead management and how those, those, those um, you know, introductions are handled because we do a lot of offline business about, we do probably almost 40,000 referrals a year uh, that are in-person introductions. So it's a different kind of customer. It's somebody that they're already familiar with. But in digital, obviously, you're 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 dealing with uh, an unknown quantity, and I see so much emphasis on lead generation and not nearly enough on lead management and how you actually respond to those people and how you engage them and incubate them and and um, you know enable able to take that down to the goal line and and as a result, I think a lot of agents sort of lose um, interest because they they you know they think of it as low margin business, uh, not a lot of results, and it's not really. Uh, that's not really the case. I think the ones who have really applied themselves to that business and understand, um, you know, how to really handle those leads and how to how to have a system in place and and a lot of business rules that that um, you know are consumer focused are, are seeing a really great result. Uh, but there are you know there's so many wonderful things about digital in terms of being able to um, you know keep your name in front of your clients. Um, uh, social media is uh, uh, another whole uh, area that I think often gets mischaracterized as being something where you're sort of, you know, pushing your story out there. And on the contrary, I think it's one of the best stealth marketing um, uh you know, uh, channels you could possibly have because you're able to really learn about your clients and your prospective clients that you're, you know, friends with on Facebook or LinkedIn or whatever. And and then when you engage them, it's it's more of a warm conversation rather than a, you know, a cold one. So a uh, lot of really great innovations that uh, the digital has allowed us to to take on. I always think of, you know, the, I'd say the mischaracterization that you bring up is folks think that they're going to leverage social right away to close a deal, but it's really like done best, you know, like social selling is exactly what you said. You get to learn so much about your customer. You would have had to pay a private eye to find out that information 10 years ago. And then you can also leverage relationships at scale. Um, To me, it's one of the best tools at our disposal and there's really no cost and no barrier to entry. You just need to think about it correctly. Um, yeah, and it's so it's so much more efficient when you think about it and when it's done well, uh, in terms of the effort you put in for what you get back, and 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 you know you can really target market. There are a lot of lot of great qualities uh, yeah. associated with it. 
Now, from your perspective, when you think of the continuity in the business, what hasn't changed when it comes to marketing real estate? Um, I still believe it's a people business. I know that's so trite and everybody says it. But um, I think that we live in an era where we are so inundated with information and there's so many uh, choices online. And, um, you know, you can you can get all kinds of data, but um, it's the what you do with that data that's so important. And I think that's where the people element comes into play. And, um, you know, with agents who can really interpret that and be that trusted advisor, which again, sounds hokey, but um, I think that because we're so inundated with all of that, that it's almost like we value more the recommendations of our uh, friends and family and peers. And and that kind of goes to the whole agent review phenomenon that we're seeing out there. Um, You know, we don't go to a restaurant without looking online at a review or, you know, I'm getting ready to go on my trip to Germany. I'm looking on TripAdvisor, you know, to make sure I'm seeing what I want to see. And not that that's the only, um, the way, the only way that you find out, but the the point of that, people are behind those reviews. That's It's a digital medium, but it's how do you find out that information is from the experience of other people. So I think we're even more, um, we value that even more because otherwise it's just a sea of, of uh, choices, you know, and how do you wade through all of that and, and understand, uh, you know, how to, how to really um, uh, evaluate and, and understand which things are going to be best for you. Yeah, yeah, a lot of noise out there. I think you hit the nail yeah. right on the head with, you know, the the fact that digital is just a, a different medium, but nothing has changed. You know, it's like all the same skills, you know, still are there. Yeah. It's still a people business, as you said. I, my One of my favorite things is I always say that the best computer we have is the one in our head, you know, at least <laughs> yeah. it should be. Anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. great. Um, well, so, I mean, like on this topic, we still, you know, we find a lot of folks agents, brokers, everyone, you know, some still haven't, you know, really jumped in head first, uh, into, into digital when it comes to their marketing or really when it comes to running their business. I mean, is there, you hit on it a little bit, but is there like a particular value that you would point at for those people who haven't invested in digital yet and say like, Hey, this, this is the one thing that you've really got to do, or this is the one thing you've really got to think about, or this is the one you know, really valuable thing that we're seeing digital produce, you know, for our brokerages. Yeah. Yeah. Well, when, you know, unfortunately a lot of uh, agents in the business don't invest in, you know, enough marketing in general. I mean, they, sometimes they do. And when they do, it's not necessarily in the right, in the right place. I think this is um, a real opportunity for the brokerage company because it does require, um, uh, a system. It really, you know, you almost have to do it in tandem with a, with your company, I think, um, because most of the traffic coming in is coming in through the brokerage website. And, and you know, there needs to be some sort of a system in place on how those, how those inquiries are handled and how they're, um, you know, um, because real estate is so transactional um, and it's not a criticism of agents, the good agents are out in the field and they're working and they're working every day. And so it's not like they're sitting by the phone waiting to respond to that next uh, or, you know, or on, on, on their iPhones waiting to respond to that next e-lead inquiry. So I think it needs to be a partnership uh, with, with their uh, brokerage companies and the companies that are putting together goods um, systems with CRM and, 
and um, and good business rules around how the, the leads are fielded. Um, that's really huge because not every good agent has a team. You know, not all of them have three and four assistants. Some of the best agents out there do amazing business with just themselves, and and uh, so it's it's difficult to be responsive, uh, which is the biggest criticism that you see online. Is the you know the yeah not the getting time. back quick enough. Yeah. Right, right. So, so I think part of that is um, is educating the agent is is from a brokerage standpoint, providing a great system, and providing training, and really educating them on how how efficient this channel is when they're trying to reach um, a targeted audience um, in terms of really the 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 cost and the ROI involved. And do you find, I mean, now that consumers have such a high standard when it comes to online experiences. And real estate in general, I'd say, do you find that there's something that agents and brokers should be doing across the board to, you know, to get noticed? Is it just responding quicker to the leads or is it, you know, hey, they have to have a presence online. They have to have a website. They have to have nice photos. Like what's the baseline of of entry? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, kind of all of the above. And some of that is 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 kind of a given. It's sort of the ticket to to play anymore. the uh, uh, photography is a huge thing. Um, you know, we have our our um, main uh, site, leadingre.com, which interestingly, we uh, introduced a new site this past year, and we went out to our network and we said we want to be hyper local experts. So send us photos of your neighborhoods and your communities. We have thirty thousand photos on there in the space of about three or four months, which I think is pretty amazing. Um, yeah. So, and they're great photos that people have just taken of their farm market or whatever what is it's kind of themed what it's like to live there but then on luxury portfolio which is our high-end uh, affluent consumer website we, re- we we require at least five photos and they have to be good quality photos and we actually have humans <laughs> that look at every single uh, submission <laughs> you and mean make real sure live that, people <laughs> yeah real live people humans um, that not only look at the photography and sometimes send it back when it doesn't meet uh, past muster but we also you know, we tweak the the copies so that it's you know not FPLC, but it's spelled out fireplace. You know, right. so that uh, we're not talking in that you know in the in the real estate speak kind of thing. Um, but I think the um, photography is a huge thing. Um, having a presence is so important, and having a decent website that's responsive design, very mobile friendly. Uh, we've seen our numbers shoot up. I think. 45% of our traffic on luxury portfolio is now mobile yeah. as compared to like 20% two years ago. Um, and we've actually instituted a program where well, we started it probably about five or six years ago called the Website Quality Certification. And the purpose of that is um, to basically offer um a cost-effective consulting service to look at a brokerage's website and to critique it in five or six different areas, ranging from navigation to design to um, e-lead responsiveness. And the the reason we did that was that we generate so much offline personal, you know, broker to broker referral business. But what happens next? If I, um, you know, if if uh, Seth, you're looking for a house in, in Chicago suburbs and you call me and I refer you to one of our members, that's well and good. But what are you going to do next? You're going to Google yeah. them. You're going to check them out. You're going to validate them. And um, if you have a poor website experience, then that other referral is a lot less meaningful. So we did that to try to raise the bar. And it it, it has made a difference, but it's an it's an ongoing work in progress that 
um, you know, we're continuing to do. What was the name of the program that were you? Were you- uh, it's called our, we call it the WQC, the Website Quality Certification. And it's, very cool. it's available to our members and, and basically they get certified for two years and then they have to renew it. And uh, they can opt for three different levels. So one is just a basic, you passed or you didn't. And the second one has um, a lot more information. And then the third one is a pretty extensive consult where they um, really tell you, here are things that you could you know, really improve on your site. I love that. Uh, so we have, yeah. That's super interesting because you can actually, as a broker, you could take that and make really actionable decisions, right? I mean, that could be the basis yes. for a, a proposal that you send to a vendor or, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's yes. pretty cool. Yeah. That's great. Do yeah. you, no, do you also have that as part of the qualification of staying a member of Leading RE? No, we probably should. <laughs> that's next year. <laughs> that's next year. <laughs> Watch out folks. But, but we do, uh, you know, we do obviously ongoing, um, um, review members and I don't mean that in a patronizing way, but, um, but we are about standards and our members know that and they like that because they want to be where good companies are. And, and, uh, so, you know, if somebody, we have some legacy members who, who might have slipped out of the ranking of, you know, what would qualify them today, but they're good companies and they're very engaged. So really not many of those anymore, um, that wouldn't, you know, otherwise qualify, but we haven't really, we look overall, even when we bring on a new member, we obviously look at their website and, um, you know, if you're doing good business in a market, the chances are pretty good. You've got a, at least an acceptable website, if not a rock star website, right, you yeah. know? So the, I guess the million dollar question is, has anybody ever been rejected for not having a good website? Like, or is, um, am I not allowed yeah. to ask that question? Yeah, that's usually tied to other things. But yeah, I mean, it's wow. definitely been a factor. That's Somebody, pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not it's not a siloed kind of a thing. We look at a lot of different factors, but of course. Um, again, if, if somebody's got a really you know nineteen um, nineties you know brochureware website, there's that, lots of blinking uh, things on the page. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, then the chances are they're probably not a market leader either. So Fair you enough. know they yeah. sort of hand in hand. But that goes back to the curation of the experience when you think about referrals. Hey, that's a curated, you know there's someone you trust and you're passing that along, but it's also knowing that when they get to that referral, they're going to have a decent experience. Yeah. It makes complete sense. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There, I mean, you can't really, I think the, the lines are so blurred now between online and offline. you got to uh, really be looking at both because they're so interconnected. Right. Right. Well, let's, let's transition a little bit and talk about brokers. And to me, you know, I mean, you're, you're such an advocate for brokers in general. And then the, and then the, I should say brokers and the brokerage model in general. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, wh- why why do you like them? Why do you like the model? You know, we we have here in the notes that we've prepared that you know you've said that they're the unsung heroes of the industry. Um, you know, what what makes them so valuable? Um, well, I th- I guess what would uh, the easiest way to answer that is it, it what would what would be the landscape if we didn't have brokerages? We'd have we'd have a wild west. I mean, just a million um, agents it, running around. Yeah, a million yeah. agents. How do you pick them? How do you choose them? How do you know who's good, who's not? How do you vet them? Um, and you know, you wouldn't have a lot of the systems. Ironically. I think the brokers are among the worst at really selling themselves and the value that they bring because um, they're so used to being outwardly focused on their agents and taking care of them that sometimes they don't always sell back 
um, the value that they bring. But, uh, you know, I would always argue that um, two really good agents, if one has is backed by a great local brand, um, they're going to have an advantage walking in the door. You know, they're going to have some credibility they wouldn't have otherwise. And, and uh, I see that, um, you know, pretty often with just the um, – um, you know, the, the fact that when you look at, at uh, traditional companies, which is where most of the newer agents go to get trained, um, if you took out the, the, the people who are with a, a, a traditional brokerage for less than two years, your, your productivity numbers would be right up there with any of the 100% shops, I believe, because, uh, but they're kind of diluted because of the, you know, the, the fact that you've got to have some place to train these great agents. They don't drop out of the sky, and that's yeah. the, the value that a good brokerage brings. Um, they're also investing, in many cases, in um, technology and systems, and, um, you know, um, we have a you know, company that's just spent a lot of money uh, customizing Salesforce for their for their people. Um, there are so many examples of um, you know videographers on site. Uh, we have a lot of brokers that that really invest heavily in agent services. So on the one hand, you might say an agent could go somewhere else and get a better split, but they would be paying for all of the things that they're getting now. Sometimes they'll actually provide paid assistance as part of the package, or yeah. um, they actually do the, you know, take the photography on all the listings. So depending on the company, um, um, I, I just think the good brokerages out there add a lot of value that, um, um, you know, that, that agents would, would um, miss if they, if they didn't have it, especially people that are newer to the business. You know, I, I think you know this, but I got my start with one of the folks in your organization, uh, which is Sally Lapides at Residential Properties. <laughs> and that was one of the well, one, she's the number one in her geographic area in Providence. Um, but that was the real, you know, value prop for me was that she had internal infrastructure. She had a videographer on staff. They created individual websites for folks. She had a tech person who was really an engineer. I mean, uh, Tom Flanagan was fantastic. Um, and that was a differentiator when I was, you know, just starting out selling real estate. Mm -hmm. And it's hugely valuable. And I think even sometimes what happens, it's a little bit of a trap that I think a lot of experienced people fall into where they start thinking they don't need any of that and they can go do it on their own and they can make, you know, another, you know, 10 percent and um, commission split and all yeah. of that. But really what I find is that a lot of people don't do the math. And if you really sat down and, and calculated um, you know, what your brokerage brings you and what you would have to spend to replicate that. Um, I actually had this conversation a few years ago with a very large team with one of our members, uh, Howard Hanna, and uh, I asked the, uh, the, the, this was the team leader I was speaking to, and he's, uh, uh, you know, one of the top in the country, and I asked him why. I said, not that I'm suggesting you not do that, but I'm just curious why you stay with a, a large brokerage instead of going out on your own, and he said, why would I not? He said, you know, the thing about it is um, they know that I'm reliable. They don't have to worry about me. I'm low maintenance. I know that I get a lot of tools and resources from them that it would cost me more to go out and replicate. So even if I leave a few dollars uh, of commission on the table, what I would spend to make that up is, is just not worth it. And I thought that was a you know, a, a pretty wise assessment. And unfortunately, a lot of people think the grass is greener and, and they, they look at the, at, you know, just that 
that split number instead of really what the real cost is of not having all those resources. Yeah. And the man hours that you add when taking on all those additional tasks. Yeah. And, and the other thing about brokers, you know, that, yeah, the other thing about brokers that I, I just have to say, having been through the big downturn that we all experienced, I mean, I know a lot of people that, um, you know, have a fraction of the wealth they had before that because they, you know, they spent it all to keep the doors open and to, you know, to to, um, to really invest in their people during those times. So I really think they that good brokers have, they really tr- truly care about developing good agents and, and giving them a platform to be successful on. And and um, that's often underestimated in our business. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, how, how do, when, when you know, I'm a, a brokerage of, of sort of any size, I mean, how do you, maybe this is a big question that's, you know, on people's minds now is like, how do I compete with you know, sort of like the new dominant digital players that are emerging. So like, you know, the portals would be a great example or even like, you know, Redfin and, you know, kind of new startups like Urban Compass. Like, you know, I I would I would imagine that, you know, independent brokerages are sort of particularly vulnerable. Yeah, aware. Yeah. Of of these sort of shifts. I mean, how have how has that come up in your conversations and how have you seen folks, you know, embracing them or yeah. Well, when I look at, um, I mean, the portals are a different animal. And to be honest, I worry less about them from a, a consumer standpoint. I mean, they have wonderful bells and whistles and they're great sites. And, and a lot of people go to them, you know, when they're kind of at the top of the funnel, so to speak. But right. um, sooner or later, someone is going to engage a good agent. And I think that if they call somebody whose name is next to a listing, not realizing that it's not the listing agent, and maybe somebody who's not even very familiar with, with the property or the neighborhood or whatever, that becomes pretty transparent pretty quickly. Um, I think that um, you the, the brokers and agents obviously have to have a good web presence, and they've got to be out there doing all the marketing things that we've been talking about and delivering wow service and all of that. But um, but I think that that uh, um, there's still a, a pretty easy path because real estate is local um, that for those people to be found by by uh, consumers. But but the the bigger challenge with the portals, in my mind, is is trying to sort of disintermediate the broker and get between the agents and oh, without yeah. making the investment being, um, you know, uh, it's easy to say they're not going to be in brokerage, but when they're, you know, offering free CRM systems and some of the things that are happening out there, they in effect are trying to sort of displace uh, the broker's role. So uh, sort of having the benefits without the liability and, and, the, and the problems. But, but when you look at Redfin and some of the others, I mean, these are great models and on paper, they should have gotten a lot further than they have. I mean, yeah. in terms of real market share, they still have a fairly minimal market share. So I'm not I'm not saying that we should put our heads in the sand and not pay attention. I think on the contrary, what um, what a lot of good brokers are doing is learning from all of these things and they're getting better and they're learning to, um, you know, to compete uh, by adding some of the same benefits and, and kind of modifying their their models, so to speak. Um, so I don't think it's a. Um, uh, I, I always think good competition is only it's only a plus and and uh, it only helps us, um, you know, uh, uh, become better and, and to compete more effectively. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I tend to think about if you keep your head on what you're doing and how you can improve the experience for that 
that client and how you can make it easier for that client to find you, um, then I just think, frankly, that's harder to compete with, um, you know, for the portals than, than the other way around. So not to sound like Pollyanna, but um, sure. um, I'm pretty optimistic, actually. I think you're, I think you're spot on. It's like, I mean, that's a fantastic point that it's, you know, real estate is such an interesting market in that, um, you, you can watch what your competitors are doing and you can incorporate those things into your business, like you were saying, and you can you can grow and evolve too. Like it's not like all those things are totally out of your reach and they're competitive advantages that aren't accessible to you. So well, I, th- I think it's, that's a fantastic and it's still point. Local. I mean, you still right. have to when you're when you want to walk in the house, you need a human. Exactly. <laughs> like need, even yeah, if yeah. you could have like the digital <laughs> locks, you still need someone to tell you things. Right. The consumers the consumers want agents, and so yeah. that's that's a very powerful position to be in. So, Pam, I think and, it's well said. You know, Another interesting thing that I don't think people really think about is, you know, when you go to Inman and you go to some of the conferences and you see all of the innovators up on stage, you know, technology companies, and and they're doing amazing things. And it's really fun to watch that and see all of that. Um, But then there's almost a... um, sort of a, a conceited idea that some uh, conceited as in c-o-n-c-e-d-e-d not conceited <laughs> idea right. that that um that that brokers are not um innovative that they're not doing anything innovative but what nobody stops to think about is if i'm rob sibsey in cincinnati or i'm steve baird or thad wong with baird and warner or at properties in chicago i'm not going out there necessarily telling everybody in that i compete with exactly what i'm doing you're sort <laughs> right. of good point working on things in the lab and they're and they're they're trying things and i mean there are a lot of things i hear that aren't publicized um and if they work they work so you know that's i think another pretty nuanced difference between um you know a startup tech company whose whole livelihood is dependent on people realizing how innovative they are and a broker who's trying to try things that will work and not necessarily share everything with the competition um but and the other thing that i I always find is interesting. Um, a lot of the articles that I read from uh, young consumers that are, you know, criticizing. I remember reading something about a year ago. A guy said, "You know, I don't even know why you'd have to have an agent to show a property. All you need is a body there to let you in, and and that's the end of it." And whenever <laughs> I read something like that, I think that's either somebody who's never bought a house or never had a really good agent, because if, if they did, they would understand the difference and why there there's value there. Oh yeah, if you got all the time in the world to be your own agent, like more power to you. But if you actually have a life that requires you to work and have a relationship and hopefully stay healthy, you need someone to guide you through that process. And also if you have the ability in your life to make a mistake on like the largest transaction most people ever participate in, right? I mean, to me, that's, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you, you have, you as a regular old consumer who does this once, maybe twice in your existence, Yeah, there's no way yeah. you're going to be better at it than Someone who does 10, 20, 30, 50, you know. Transactions, transactions yeah, a year. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, there are things, and going back to the digital thing, that um, that we can do. Like, I mean, I'll give you an example of a, in a luxury portfolio, we have a back end of the site that has all sorts of cool things that, that agents can do for their clients, including something called Lux Analytics, which actually generates a, um, an automated report that shows how many uh, people from what countries looked at that listing, uh, which currencies it was searched in over a period of time. So it's a great way to, you know, to show value that you are exposing that property and who's looking at it. 
So Lux Analytics uh, gener will generate, I mean, it's very easy for an agent to do this on all their luxury listings. It'll generate a report with cool charts and graphs that shows, um, you know, which uh, consumers from which countries, how many views it got and from what countries they originated and what currencies they searched and a lot of other um, uh, data about, you know, the people looking at that property. And one of our top agents in the Bay Area sent this to uh, a client of, of hers and she forwarded an email that he sent and he said, he wrote her, he said, you know, I have bought and sold a lot of properties in my in my time and this is the, the most sophisticated thing I've ever gotten from a real estate agent. Um, so even the people that think they do know it all. <laughs> yeah. um, I still think there are opportunities to wow them. And, and that's the, that's the fun part of the business is to come up with those things. That's awesome. Um, I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about, you know, attracting talent. Cause I know that in the real estate industry, like that's a huge driver. It's like, how do you attract and retain talent? What should brokers be doing to, to be good at that? Um, well, I think they need to mirror what they're looking for. In other words, you don't have the 60-year-old out recruiting millennials. Um, you have okay. <laughs> other millennials recruiting millennials. Uh, same thing with different ethnic groups because this country is so much more diverse than it's ever been. And we've got we've to mirror the customers that we're trying to attract. Um, I think we need to sell the, the wonderfulness of this business. I know that's not really a word, but um, <laughs> I was on a panel once with a young, um, with a young guy in his 20s. And he started, we were talking about recruiting millennials and he started out talking about, you know, the first broker was a crook and Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross and all the stuff. I couldn't figure out where he was going, but the point he was making was actually brilliant, which was um, millennials in particular want to feel proud of the business that they're in. And this is a great business where it's not only, you know, where you can prosper financially, but more importantly, you can really make a difference in people's lives, whether you're helping them build wealth through investments or, or you know, make memories in a, in a new home or whatever it might be. And, and I think really good professionals, um, it's a great business to be in. So I think we have to sell the value of the business um, more. We've got to look outside of our normal, um, you know, uh, the places we normally look. Um, uh, and that's particularly true with leadership because they're, the leadership bench in, in uh, real estate is thin because a lot of people are getting older and they're, you know, they're not going to be around that much longer. And uh, I, I'm a firm believer that, um, you know, look for great uh, leadership management talent outside of the industry, because if they know how to develop people and they understand business strategy, um, then they'll be good at real estate. And we have to, you know, we'll, we'll fill in with some of the other things that go into that. And I, I know that's a, that's a, a simple answer to a complicated question, but, um, but I do think there's a way to take advantage of a lot of talent out there that would do very well in our business. That makes complete sense. So, I mean, as we start to wrap up here, we always like to ask folks, you know, where do they, where are you getting your, and maybe you just alluded to this, but where are you getting your inspiration? Like, you know, have there been any great books that you've read or great blogs that you follow or I don't know anything, you know, where are you drawing inspiration from personally? <laughs> Well, we do. Um, we're actually uh, very engaged in a whole uh, culture thing right now um, for not only our own team, but we're working on it throughout the network. Um, we, we've instituted, we're going to be launching it this next year, and we've run a, a beta this year, a new program called Maestro Leadership, which has uh, been very uh, reinvigorating. It's basically four branch managers um, 
<clears throat> to uh, you know help them uh, grow their business in three areas: culture, uh, developing agents, and um, and financial growth. And that has been very inspirational. We've had two of the three pillars sessions. It's an in-person six-month program, and we've done two of the three. Um, so that's been inspirational. And sort of out of that, we we um, have begun. Uh, working a lot on the whole concept of how we can work together more effectively. So the book Five Dysfunctions of a Team, if you haven't read it, is a great uh, great read, and we're actually doing a lot of work around that. To um, you know, um, it's it's sort of a pyramid that you start with trust for a team to be able to work well together, and if you trust each other, then you'll agree to disagree, and you can have. Uh, healthy conflict and when you have healthy conflict and everybody's heard then there's a real sense of commitment and if you have commitment people will hold each other accountable and that's how you get great results so um you know we're we're doing a lot of work around that whole culture thing but i think it's a fun time to be in the business i'm very excited about um the opportunity for independence because they tend to be more entrepreneurial they're used to they're like music conductors that are you know they pick their instruments and their musicians and they make their own music and it's only their music so it's not like everybody else's and and uh and it's a beautiful thing so um you know for all the reasons i said earlier i think it's a great time to be an independent we're we're picking up some pretty significant former franchisees um the largest uh, company in honolulu came on board that had been longtime franchisee um we're probably adding um you know, three to four good-sized companies like that a year um, as part of our mix of, of, you know, between international and and, um, domestic, we're probably adding about uh, 40 to 50 companies a year. And I would say, you know, at least 10% of those are franchisees that are electing to become independent. So it's it's a good time for us, I think. And for the, anybody in real estate, I think if you can get that right mix of offline and online and and really think about how you can wow your your clients and 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 uh, demonstrate your value uh then this guy's kind of the limit pam this has been awesome it's been fantastic Um, and you know i always love talking to you and i love the the gravity that you bring to thinking about the industry because i think people get you know they think about portals or whatever the thing in is and they get so riled up and your focus is just really inspiring. So thank you so much for being on the show. Well, thank you. I'm honored to be asked, guys. I really enjoyed it. What's the best way for folks to find out more about you? Um, um, well, leadingre.com is our is our um, general website, and there's a, a, a section of that called About Leading RE, so that's probably the, uh, the best way. Our other website is luxuryportfolio.com for the... Um, uh, you know, the affluent end of the market. Um, and and certainly if somebody's uh, interested, if they're in a market where they think there might be an opportunity, um, uh, they can always email me at p.o'connor at leadingre.com uh, or um, our business development director is Sheila Barr at sbb as in boy, A-R-R at leadingre.com. Awesome. Thanks so much. We will definitely chat again soon. Yeah, thank you. Hey, thanks, Seth. Thanks, Matt. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Genius Podcast. 
If you like what you've heard, be sure to write us a review on the iTunes Store. For our full episode archive and access to exclusive bonus content, visit us online at playster.com podcast. If you have feedback about Marketing Genius or want to suggest topics and guests for future shows, drop us a line at podcast at playster.com. Don't settle for mediocre marketing. Become a marketing genius and start growing your real estate business online. The Marketing Genius Podcast is brought to you by Playster, the digital marketing platform for real estate professionals, brands, and organizations of all kinds. With beautiful websites, lead management tools, marketing automation, and an academy featuring the latest tools and tips, Playster offers real estate professionals everything they need to succeed online. Learn more at Playster.com.